Ephesians 4, beginning at 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard of him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through your deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Doug. Well, in the passage, you see two phrases that sound familiar. Uh, Put off and put on. Immediately, that brings to mind clothing. Put off and put on. Uh, In my home, there are times when we talk about clothing because I have a daughter who's like into fashion and design and those kinds of things. So she's all into that. So we, we talk about those things. And there's a reality that in our culture in particular, that fashion is like a big thing. Like if you buy certain clothes, it's like there's certain clothes that call out to you say, if you wear me, your life will be transformed, right? Because we've seen the shows of transformation that happen with people, right? They often start out with a before picture and an after picture. The before picture inevitably has, you know, a woman who, who looks unhappy, who looks ordinary, someone who lacks self-confidence. And then there is a transformation by the magicians that that work in a salon. Maybe there is the changing of the color of their hair, trimming of the eyebrows. You know, there's a new coat of paint that goes on the face of sorts. And inevitably, there's going to be a wardrobe change, right? They're going to wheel out some big thing and there's going to be clothes that they're going to try on and that's going to be the transformation, right? They're going to pull out something for for a a lady to wear that's going to be fancy or whatever that's there and there's this promise that, that this will be the new you. Now, for those of you who are guys like, that doesn't happen to me. No, they, they do it for guys too, right? There's always some <clears throat> suit guy that's like, you're going to like the way you look, right? You've heard that. You hear the deep voice and you're like, oh, I need to go to that place because my life will be transformed by some piece of clothing. Well, we know, we know that every piece of clothing that we have sought to find transformation Uh, eventually uh, gets dust in the closet and it doesn't deliver. But here in our text, we see the promise of new birth. We don't see the call to change one's outward clothing, but one to look at the heart. It's about inward clothing. It's about the actions that we're called to take that reveal the heart condition that we have. 
Remember, if you look back at your Bibles at Ephesians 4.1, this section Paul started by saying, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He's saying, walk in a manner worthy of the riches that you have received in Christ. Live your life in light of the fact that you have received all these riches. This is not a call for us to earn something. It's a call for us to live out that which has been done for us in Christ. And so here, he kind of takes a pause and he's like, you need to toss off the old before you put on the new. As we go through the rest of Ephesians, it's going to be about all the things that we put on, the things, the behaviors that we carry out that stem from the root of understanding who we are in Christ. But first, we must put off. When you have the old clothes, you must put them off, right? Before you, if you're working in the yard, you don't just immediately go in and put the nice clothes on. You know, mom's like, take a shower, get cleaned up, change your clothes, right? And so that's what the call is for us to do spiritually. But then he unpacks what the old life looks like. As he tells us to toss off the old rags, he starts to unpack, look back at your Bibles, what that looks like, what the old life looks like. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. What does that mean? They're darkened in their understanding. It means that there's an absence of spiritual understanding. Certainly, if you don't know Christ, you can live a a life with measure of fruit, and, but yet you are blind to spiritual things because your eyes have not been, open, been opened. And so, so that's what it means, darken. And it says, and the passage goes on, they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. We talked about the fact that before Christ, we were alienated, we were outsiders, and now that we're in Christ, we're in the family. But here it's talking about the fact that the alienation happens because they have become ignorant. They don't know the truth. We didn't know the truth before Christ. And then it goes on and says that they're experiencing this darkness, this alienation due to their hardness of heart, describing a heart of stone if you think about marble like it's it's hard it's not soft it's not pliable and that's the condition that he's talking about and he goes on and the the condition is really dark because it says they've become callous when you think of a callous that you might get i've gotten them at different times you know my hands depending on work that i'm doing or on my feet and that part that gets calloused Right? It gets rough, kind of like leather, but you don't have feeling in that spot. Now, that's a blessing when you're running a marathon to have a callus on your feet because you don't feel the pain that's there and you can press through. But when it comes to living your life for Christ, you, you don't want you don't want calluses there. You don't want to have places in your heart in which you're not soft to the Spirit's voice. 
the pain that's there, the conviction that the Spirit brings is a good thing. But the description here is of one that has become so callous. They, they don't have conviction at all. That's what breeds the fruit of evil things that happen. I was talking with some friends who were visiting us this weekend about the, some of the museums that are in Washington, D.C., and one that talks about the Holocaust and some of the horrid, wretched things that happen. And they were saying, how does that happen? How do things so dark and evil happen? How do the killing fields of Cambodia happen? How does child trafficking happen? Because some of those things are so evil, even if we try to think about them, it makes us sick to our stomachs. It's, it's a life ultimately that has rejected God to the point that you don't experience any pain or any remorse. That's the darkness that is described, that bears the fruit of what it says in Isaiah 50, 20. When he said this, he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Friends, we live in a day in which that's become more of a reality. Things that are evil are talked about as being good. Things that are good are being talked about as evil. And it's opened the door to what we see here in the text and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. There's a recklessness that's happening because there is no sensitivity to the things of God. Now, I understand that Everyone who doesn't know Christ doesn't find themselves in the midst of a life that's just filled with open debauchery and sin and evil. But there is a truth that all who live without Christ are dominated by sin. There's a blindness. There's a separation from God, and that's where we all were, living our lives apart from God. Before we knew Christ, there was a blindness in our minds. Our hearts were hard. We were dead spiritually. And it's right to pause when we read this. When we read verses 11, or verses 17, 18, and 19, we can easily read them and go, that's not me. I'm not doing those horrible, evil things. But it's right for us to pause and be sobered. Because apart from God's grace and his kind restraint, this would be us. And this has been some of us prior to knowing Christ. And Paul is simply saying, don't live like that. That's no longer you anymore. Don't even have a hint of that. Put off the old clothes. Now, oftentimes for us, because we read these kind of passages, and we're like, yeah, I just, I never killed anybody. Um, I, I never purposed to harm people. I, like we, 
and we, because we're not doing some of those huge, horrible, evil things, we kind of think, yeah, we're just good, but we can have the tendency to let our old lives kind of seep in because there's a bit of comfort there. We experience some comfort when we live that life. Kind of like the comfort that you feel from, you know, old clothes that you've had. You've got clothes like this in your closet. I know you do. Uh, you know, jeans that, you know, look like this, not because they were trendy, but when you got them, they didn't have holes in them, but that you've worn them so much, but they fit just right. Or you've got a shirt that you know, from a distance, look like a decent t-shirt, right? But when you look closely, man, that collar, I think I might be able to see through it, right? And, and you've got those clothes at home because you're like, I'm not getting rid of them because they, they're so comfortable, right? I can't, I can't get rid of that shirt. There's even memories attached to those clothes. Well, we can feel that way even spiritually. There were things that we would give ourselves to before we knew Christ that we thought would satisfy us. Whether we gave ourselves to inappropriate relationships or surfing the internet, looking at things that aren't helpful, or whether we are drinking too much. There's any number of things that we just ran to because we thought that satisfied. And back then, we thought it satisfied us, but we know it doesn't. I know the stories that I've seen in this room. I love to hear your stories because you talk about when you came to know Christ, like there was a joy and a freedom and you realize that stuff just never delivered. But there are times like after knowing Christ, when you're, when you're tired, when you're discouraged, you're like, ah, I still have that in the closet. Maybe, maybe I need to, Maybe I need to put it on and Paul's saying, no, like take it off, take it off. That is no longer who you are. You may find yourself in a point of weakness, but you need to take that off because it's not going to deliver. Put off the old self, as it says here in the passage. In verse 22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Those old clothes, they really smell somewhere between, you know, locker room, boys locker room smell and paint thinner, right? Somewhere, there's just something sticky about it. There's just something nasty about it. If you're really honest about it, no, we've got to get rid of those, put them off. And we read that and that just seems right. Yes, we should put that off. But I don't know about you, every single time I read about put off, I'm like, yes, I should do that. And I'm just like, what in the world is that supposed to look like? Like I knew what it looked like when my mom said, take that off and go change. I knew what that meant. But spiritually, sometimes we're like, what, what, is, what does that mean? What are we supposed to do? Well, as we, as we go to take off, I think it's helpful for us first to know accurately what we look like. We need to accurately see ourselves. And I think there's two ways that we can we accurately see ourselves. One is we look at God's word. Like the regular study of God's word, God's word is like a mirror to us. When you're reading in different parts of it, God brings conviction about sin in your life and exposes things and he he does that because he's kind and he wants you to experience all that he has for you. 
So the regular study of his word is going to do that, but also fellowship with one another. That's why we are committed to Christ's church because we know we need one another. Hebrews 3 says this. It says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need the blessing of the body sometimes to shake us out of it. Or in the context of fellowship, like in small group, when you break up into the like men's and women's times and you're just sharing, sharing it is is helpful because then those in the group can share things and say, hey, are you thinking rightly? Are you thinking about the truth that we see in God's word? Let me help you with that, brother, and you're not alone. So we need to see ourselves clearly. And once we see ourselves clearly, we need to repent. What does that word repent mean? It means turning from our sin. It means being aware and having having grief and sorrow over that which we realize isn't pleasing to the Lord, but then turning from it. Now understand, being a Christian does not mean going to a church, being a better person, though those things do happen. It's not just those things. Being a Christian means a radical change. God calls us out of darkness into light. There's a radical change. And so we need to be intentional to put off the old things. Sinclair Ferguson said this. He said, it's fatal to think we can grow in Christ-likeness without rigorously rejecting lingering sinful attitudes and habits. He said, that would be like seeking to plant a garden infested with weeds. We wouldn't do that. You wouldn't go and go, yeah, that's, that's kind of nasty over there. There's a lot of stuff. I think I'm just going to plant my stuff right there. You know, it's just going to get all sucked in and you're not going to bear any fruit in there. No, you've got to go in there and you got to put on the right clothes so you don't get, you know, poison ivy like someone in this room, I won't mention their name did this summer. And when you got to clean it out, and, and then you can go and plant. That's what God calls us to do, putting away daily. And sometimes it is a continual choice. And sometimes we feel discouraged. I don't know if you feel that way, but there's sometimes I'm like, I feel like I've been pulling this weed all the time. And I'm not talking about my garden where the tomatoes are growing because I feel like that every year too. But I also feel like it in my spiritual life, like I've been pulling this. You ever feel like that? Like, ah. Oh. Do this again. Well, that's going to be our experience to a degree until we see Jesus face to face. So we want to see ourselves clearly, have conviction, repent, and turn from it. But even in the midst of us, we need to remember that the putting off isn't what saves us. That effort to put off isn't what earns us salvation. So I don't want anyone to leave here thinking, okay, if I just do this stuff, Jesus is going to love me more. Jesus loved you by going to the cross. Because he says here in the passage, if you look back at verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. 
So right after he points out, this is not the way you should walk, he says, that's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. That word, those, those phrases really speak to a relationship with Christ. There's intimacy. It happens in Christ. It doesn't happen because we, we got to pull our bootstraps up and we do this thing and then Jesus will love us more. No. No, because he loved us, we, we can do this. You need to know he's with you. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He walks with us to help us and walk in this. Because Paul said in Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3, this is what he said. He said, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So as we go to put off, we want to be thinking about Christ. And that we're going to see in the process of putting on the new clothes, we're going to be renewing our minds, but we want to put our focus on Christ. So that's even part of the putting off. Because as you put your mind on Christ, it reminds you that these clothes, though they might have a measure of comfort from the past, like these really are filthy rags. As you turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full at his wonderful face, the things of this world, they, they grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You start to realize, yeah, yeah no, no, in the putting off. Because we think like the putting off has to be this like hard task. Like, oh, we're just going to muscle it off. No, sometimes it's just sitting at Jesus' feet and sitting at his word and realizing, yeah, that's, I've been looking at that wrongly. I need to put that aside. And the Lord brings conviction on what that is. But we're called to put on the new clothes. So look back at your Bibles in verse um, 24. So you put off the old self and it says, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That kind of points us back a little bit to Genesis. Remember in Genesis when God created man, he created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, and they were, they were displaying God's image, and then sin came into the world and wrecked everything. But when you trust in Jesus, you are a new creation, and you're living out that new creation. We are living, uh, being new created beings. And then, and then we put on that which reflects what Christ has done for us. When you think about those who, who serve in, in public ways, maybe they serve, you know, in the, for the fire department or they serve for the police department and they, they put something on. Why do they put something on? They don't put it on so they can walk around and go, look at me. I've got a little fancy badge. Did you see my fancy badge? No, they're putting it on to signify a commitment that they have made. A commitment that they have made to serve. A commitment that they have made to, to help in time of need. And then there's others who make commitments, right? There's those who put on clothes like this that serve 
by going into battle because our life, we know our life's a battle. We're going to learn about that as we get to the end of Ephesians, talking about the spiritual battle and needing to put on the armor of God as we'll study in chapter six. But when someone joins a branch of the military, they are saying, I'm going to lay my life down. So putting on clothes means something. It's because it signifies a commitment, an inward commitment that they have made. And so the clothes that we put on are ones that look different. And I could have had a huge wardrobe. And I'm grateful to God for those who let me borrow these clothes because they obviously would not fit me because they gave their lives to serve us. I'm so grateful for those who serve in those ways, whether it's public service here stateside, those who serve us overseas, laying their life down. It's such a a picture for us of Christ who laid down his life. So we are called simply to put on and reflect that which Christ has already done because we are part of the family. We've, we've made the commitment because he's called us out of darkness. You have a but God story as we talked about earlier in Ephesians. You were dead in your trespasses and sins following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with him. So the call to put on isn't a call to do uh, follow a bunch of rules because that's going to earn you something with God. No, the call to put on is simply a call to live out the riches that he has already bestowed upon you. It's simply to reflect what he has done. Because remember, at one time you were a prisoner. The clothes you were wearing were orange from from neck to toe, right? We were prisoners. And you know what happens when a prisoner leaves prison. They don't walk out the door with the orange on, right? If you see someone wearing the orange in public, you don't go, oh, so glad you got to take those home. You're just like, I don't think he's supposed to be out, right? But when someone leaves prison, they have to leave the clothes at the prison and they're given the clothes that they came in with. But for us, when we have trusted in Christ, we, we don't get the old clothes when we leave prison. We get new ones. We get new ones and we get these riches that are beyond what we could understand because we've been loved by God because he sent his son to pay the penalty for sin for us. So, the first place when we go to put on the new self is that we need a relationship with Jesus. You've been called out of darkness. Not just turning from a behavior, but surrendering your full life to Christ. Have you surrendered your full life to Christ? If you're here this morning, you have an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. You can do it today. You can turn from your sin and you can follow Jesus. It's Christianity is not about a religious event. It's not about showing up here on a Sunday. It's about surrendering your life. It's about knowing intimately Jesus. Because he says, that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him. There's the images of a, of a not just being taught. We can read that. We can be like, well, I 
I know stuff about Jesus, but it says in him, it's meaning, talking about a relationship. Jesus doesn't want you just to know facts about him. He wants you to know him because he loves you. 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 If you ever question that, you need to look no further than the cross that he went to, knowing that you would reject him, but that you would need someone to run after you. And he paid the penalty for your sin. So we need to have a relationship with Christ and we need to have it on our own. I want to talk to those who are here who are, are younger. I want to say under 20. If you're here and you're under 20, you can't walk on the coattails of your parents. Just because you're here in church doesn't mean that you are a Christian. Even if you're over 20, just because you grew up going to church doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You must make that commitment. You know, I think about when I used to take my kids to the doctor, if they were sick or maybe needed a, you know, some kind of vaccine or different things, they would, they would get the shot. And if they were old enough, the doctor would so say, hey, uh, what, what arm do you want it in? You want it in the right or the left? Well, inevitably, what's the child going to say? In mommy's arm. In mommy's arm. That's where I want it. Friends, you, you must come on your own and surrender your life to Christ but he wants a relationship with you, not just your mom and dad. I love that our young people are integrally involved. I love that there's young folks at the door greeting you when you walk in and young folks serving in Harvest Kids and young folks serving in the back. So many different ways because you are part of our church. So we need to have faith in Christ on our own and abide in him. Taking time because Jesus' sheep hear his voice. We encourage everyone to spend time in their Bible so they can get to know Jesus better. If you're like, I don't know where to start, start with the Gospel of John. If you don't know where that is, just look in the table of contents and you just start by reading. That's where I met Jesus, was just reading the Gospel of John and spending time in his word. Because as we spend time in his word, we are renewing our minds. If you look at verse 23, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Paul said in Romans 12, he said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, sinful thinking creates sinful desires, which then creates sinful actions. But if we renew our minds with what is true, like righteous thinking produces righteous desires, which produces righteous actions. It starts in our hearts. Someone who has run far from God, left their family or given themselves to a wanton pleasure, it didn't start with those actions. It started in their heart. So for you, it's not about, okay, I've got to do 12 things. Okay, we just learned about put offs and put ons. Okay, I got to put it off and I got to put all this on. It's it takes time. There's it's like a nice spring rain that comes slowly and it trickles in. And we just, we need that. And it takes time to trickle in. Sometimes it feels like an abstract concept to put on. 
Like I, I got to do something. Just tell me the things that I need to do. I don't, are you like that? I'm, I'm like that. Just tell me the things I need to do. Tell me the things I need to do so that Jesus will love me more and so that I can be fruitful. And Jesus telling you to stop. The, the world is busy and there's all kinds of noise. There's just noise. You feel it, right? You feel the noise. He just wants you to sit at his feet and abide in him. Pray something like what it says in Psalm 119, 18, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Or I'm just going to slow down and read slowly. How would I just meet with you? That's the first place to just experience Christ. Be reminded of your identity of who he is, what he's done. Maybe just spend some time slowly reading verses, you know, chapters 1, 2, and 3 in Ephesians. Just a fresh reminder of who you are in Christ. The Lord Jesus wants to meet with you. So that's how we renew our minds. It's just simply by meditating on his word. I encourage every believer to memorize some scripture. Not so that you can get like a badge in Awana or so that you can check off the box because you finished Bible study fellowship. And those are great things. Those are great things. But we spend time because when you memorize, you're forced to be there. And the Lord does something over time as you rehearse something. And I, I don't know about you guys, like as I get older, I can, I can read something 10 times a day for 10 days in a row and be like, I got this. And the next day someone says, hey, you want to remember, you were memorizing that verse, why don't you turn it to me? I, I'm like, ah, help me get started. You ever feel like that? I feel like that. But in the, it's the process that God just does something in that, in your relationship with him, where your mind gets renewed because you rehearse it and then you rehearse it. And then, and then all of a sudden you just start to notice as you encounter different things in your life, you're like, hey, that applies. You know, that really applies. I'm so glad I was there for so long trying to get that into my heart that it's, it's delivering right now. I see the fruit of this. I, whether it exposes something that you don't run to or it opens your eyes to see how to minister to somebody, it's any different ways that God uses it. And so we want to renew our minds. And then thirdly, you know, a way for us to put on the new self. You know, Paul says in verse 24, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. It is taking action. Putting on isn't just putting off. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'll give you an example. If, you know, there's a time in my life where I was just really angry. Or... Maybe you would have noticed it if you would have known me in those places that I allowed it to come out would have been short fuse. Does that ever feel anyone relate with that short fuse? Something would happen zero to 60. You know, everything seemed calm and all of a sudden there's a massive blaze going on of anger. And that's how I parented. My children would know just get dad on a good day. It wasn't about intentionality. It wasn't about sharing the gospel. It wasn't about teaching them the way they should go. My parenting was about, hey, just catch me on a good day. Don't annoy me. And definitely don't make me parent when I'm tired and hungry. 
they experienced that. God brought conviction, and I had to repent of that and say, no, I'm not going to continue down that road. God, thank you for that conviction. Now, that doesn't mean I've become perfect, okay? You could ask my kids. Feel free. You encounter any of them. Ask them what I'm like at home. Ask them what I used to be like. My life's open if you want to know about it. But I didn't just have to say, no, I'm not going to do that. It wasn't just a put off. I still had to put on patience. There's the call to do what it says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I needed to put on love. Not just, I'm not going to get angry with you, but no, I'm going to love you, children, the way that Christ loved me. I'm going to love your mom the way that Christ has called me to love your mom so that you can see what Jesus looks like because I want to be intentional about that. I want to be patient even though you seem to take forever to learn stuff. Like I've told you 10 times. Why don't you get it? Oh, but you know what? Jesus reminded me 20 times and I still don't get it. No, if I look to Christ and how Christ has loved me, like then, then I put on and I love. So there, there, is a, there are steps we need to take. It's not just, hey, I took the clothes off. Jesus, work. Jesus, take the wheel. I know it's a clever song and everything. It's just, it's not what the Bible calls us to. It calls us to take action because it's good. You're not taking the action to earn favor. You're taking the action because you're living in the good of what Christ has done for you. You're living out those riches. And then as you take those steps, you're like, wow, this is different. The Bible's actually true. If a gentle answer turns away wrath. You read that in Proverbs? Although that doesn't seem to be what wells up within you when someone's like coming at you. Oh, I should do a gentle answer. Well, it actually does. Because when we live in the good of how God designed things, there's, there's peacefulness and we see him work. We become vessels to be used by him. So we want to pursue. We were called to be intentional. And sometimes there is that daily setting aside and daily putting on. But just know that whatever effort you do, it's done by grace. Because when we put on, there's a sense of both God's pleasure and we experience the blessings of peace and joy that eludes the world. Well, I want I want to end our time with just sharing a brief story about some parents who adopted four children. Uh, they adopted them from the Ukraine. I think the story came before all of the challenges that are happening in that country. But here's the description as they are getting ready to adopt their children that the dad recounts. He says, after spending about 35 days in Ukraine, in an effort to adopt our four children, my wife and I finally had permission to go home with them. All of the legal work was done. We were eager to show them love in many ways, including cleaning them up and giving them some new clothes. They had been wearing the same smelly clothes and the same worn out shoes every day since we arrived, 35 days, every day. 
Once we had permission to leave, we brought them some brand new outfits. My wife took the older two children and I took the younger two. I told the girls and had to do this via a translator because they didn't speak English yet. And dad says, girls, we are going home. And the little girl asked, forever? And I said, yes, forever. And their faces lit up. And I gave them their denim dresses and their socks and their shirts and more. They went to the bathroom and changed every garment. Because in their orphanage, upon leaving, the children had to leave behind every piece of clothing they had been wearing. What a picture of the gospel. They put off the old orphanage garments and they put on the clothes of their adoptive parents. It wasn't one of struggle because they rightly saw it. It was one of joy. There were new clothes. There's a new identity. There's being part of a family in which you are loved and cared for. One in which when you struggle and you fail, there are those there to help pick you up, to walk alongside you, to encourage you. And you're some of those people to walk alongside and encourage and to help. There's a new home. There's new security. And there's a new way to live. That's our experience that we have in Christ. Let's pray. Father, there are so many details that we could delve into. There's so much we could say about putting off and putting on. But I pray, Father, that you would come and meet us right now and minister to us. I ask, Lord, that you would bring conviction because you love us. And you would show us steps that we can take to bring honor to you as we put off and put on to bring praise to your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to respond this morning, we've got a short song and a kind of regular song to sing after that. It's just since we need to take some time to get before the Lord. So I'm not going to ask you to stand during the first song. In fact, I'm just going to still stand up here. I'm not going to be the one singing. Mike is going to be singing. Glad he's still here. But let this song be a prayer. We fall down. One where you just, you cast off the old, but you also can cast off the things that you think you need to do to earn favor with God or the things that can define you, whether it's clothes or money or actions that you take. No, the Lord wants you to just come before him. And for some of you, as Micah sings this song, you can certainly sing it along with him, but make it a time to pray. Because if God's brought conviction about something in your heart, could be secret sin that you've never confessed, bring that before the Lord. 
It says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He doesn't want you to leave here feeling shame. He wants you to leave here knowing forgiveness. So let's just take some time. We can, you can bow your heads. You can certainly sing this song as Micah prays it, but let's just make it our prayer.